Hey, everybody. Welcome to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I'm so happy you're here with us. If you're just joining for the first time, I am a special needs mom, a special needs attorney, and a best-selling author. So please grab your coffee, and if you're like me, you might be listening in your car. I spent a lot of time in the car in my day. And please join us for some important discussions to help you thrive in this complex special needs world. Each week, we're going to chat with parents and experts, and sometimes parents who are experts, to offer compassionate advice for all stages of your life. These are the conversations you would have with your best friend if your best friend was an expert like me. Let's go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. Well, this is a great week for me. I am taking off for a southern state and bringing my daughter back to college. This is our third college in two years. And you know what I've learned? Don't buy the (laughs) t-shirts. Don't buy the hats. Don't buy the mugs. (laughs) Hang on. Wait and see. That's what I've learned. Um, My daughter, Caroline, I've talked about a little bit on this podcast. I haven't spent as much time talking about my daughter, Caroline, as I have talking about my daughter, Elizabeth. My daughter, Caroline, I would not classify as somebody with a disability, but she certainly has been on her own path. You know, we are all certainly individuals. We are all on our own path. Um, Caroline, I would say, has a lot of the characteristics of a sibling. You know, the things that we see in a sibling of somebody like Elizabeth with, um, you know, pretty profound disabilities. So Caroline experienced a lot of trauma growing up with Elizabeth and then having Elizabeth pass away when Caroline was 13. 13, you are so right smack dab in the middle of your formative time. And Caroline certainly had a few challenges. I homeschooled Caroline for a while. I talked about that on the podcast a little bit as we jumped into being home for the pandemic. I did a show on the differences between homeschooling, full out homeschooling, what is remote learning, uh, distance learning, if you will, and the differences between those. And so you know, we did a sort of a hybrid model where we were doing really distance learning of a true public school program. And it was, you know, really good for us and very interesting because I got to know Caroline's learning style and I got to know her as a person when she was between the ages of eight and 11. And it was cool, really super cool, you know. Um, uh, And I got to know her learning style, as I said. And those were fantastic years for us. I got to know her strengths, her weaknesses, her 
interests, her creativity, um, just, it, it just, I look back on that time with such fondness, even though we were so busy because I was working, she was dancing, um, almost like a full-time job basically. And I was really busy with this incredibly sick, disabled child at the same time. Uh, and you know, it was crazy. It went by in a flash. But I'm telling you all of this to say that, you know, yes, we are about to head out to our third college. And does it drive me crazy? Oh, my God, the gray hair that I have, um, the ticks that I'm developing, uh, the sleepless nights, the anxiety that I have for her, the anxiety she has herself. Um, but she's on her own path. And I'm doing my best, <laughs> although I'm struggling as a parent, to support that path and to help her get set up for success uh, as best I can. And I'm thinking about that so much as I'm giving you this podcast episode this week and our guest, Eric Schaefer. Eric is just an incredible, amazing person, and I admire him so much. I like him so much. Um, I work with Eric. He is one of our IT professionals. And when I met Eric, I was just really excited to get to know so much about him. And he volunteered that he was somebody with a disability. I wouldn't have asked or known about that, but knowing what we do, he was super excited to get to know us as well. And we had a lot of really cool conversations. Some of what he told me made me so sad about his early learning times. And I asked him if he would like to be on the show to talk about what his journey was like, because he went from someone who struggled to someone who ultimately really found himself and is a super successful. And when I say successful, I don't mean he runs a company like Google. I mean, he has an incredibly successful, happy life. This is what we want for our kids, right? Um, our, this is what we want for our siblings, our loved ones, our cousin, whoever it is, our parent, you know, whoever that person is in our life that we love with a disability. This is what we want for ourselves if it's ourselves that we are seeking um, that, that path for. So I am excited to present this interview to you today and to talk to Eric about his journey and how he found his way and some of the challenges that he faced. And so I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. And I hope that you really um, find Eric as engaging as I do. And as always, we will have Eric's contact information in the show notes. And please feel free to contact him for anything, whether it's IT or any of the other interesting things that he does, or whether you just have some questions. Um, 
I have been getting a lot of questions and um, people have been DMing me. I will hopefully do some Q&A in the next couple of weeks. I know I'm a little behind in getting to some questions and um, coming up with some answers for you all, but I will get to that soon, I promise. Um, I know that I can't get to everybody. I apologize, uh, but I do appreciate that you are so in touch. I really, really appreciate that. What I also really need from all of you, if you could please, please do rate and review the podcast. Uh, we haven't had any reviews in a while. We haven't had um, much for ratings in a while. It is so, so helpful and so meaningful if you all could please give us that five-star rating and write us a review. It helps get us out to people who are really looking for this content. Um, I know that the content is getting out all over the world because I can see it on my content map and from the downloads, but it's been steady, steady, steady for a while, and I would love to get that boost and get up to that next level. So if you could, if you were enjoying this content, please rate and review, share with a friend. I would appreciate it. Thank you so much. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, Special Needs Survival Podcast. Today, I'm actually here with one of my really cool friends, Eric. <laughs> so I'm very excited to have Eric on the podcast. He is, fortunately for us, one of our IT friends extraordinaire. He does all of our IT stuff. He keeps us up and running at the law group. And he's also one of our favorite furry friend fans as well. <laughs> he comes in and visits with our dog, Bailey. <laughs> and one of these days, I'm afraid he's going to kidnap her. I swear to God. <laughs> I, think, I think Bailey just might run off with me. <laughs> Welcome, Eric. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. So Eric has a really interesting story, and I asked him if he would come on the podcast, and he was very gracious and agreed to do so. And um, like me, he is a, a neurodiverse individual, and he is, in my opinion, a pretty incredible person. So well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and we love him here. Um, but he is just like so many people in your life that I bet you don't even know what their backstory is. And, you know, before I jump in with Eric, I just want to take 30 seconds and remind people, if you don't already know this, and maybe you do, that the CDC tells us that, um, and, and it's not just the CDC, but also um, our, I think it was, um, the last round of uh, data collection that we did, one in five people is reported to have some form of disability that impacts their daily life. So that doesn't mean that they're collecting social security or that they're not able to go to work or something like that. And but, it's definitely not a visible disability. Right, exactly. And so many people do have hidden disabilities. I mean, as I've said on this podcast before, I have ADD, I am dyslexic, but I'm a functioning attorney. I run two businesses. You know, I do all these things out in the community. But that doesn't mean that I don't have things that really 
I struggle with and that impact my daily functioning and that I really had to work around in order to be able to, um, you know, get through law school and get through my education. So, you know, Eric is another individual like that who you may not have recognized what, what he was going through. So Eric's here to talk with us about his journey and um, Eric, Thanks again for coming on. And I'd, I'd love it if you could talk to people a little bit about what your, the start to your journey was like in childhood. You know, talk to us a little bit about your diagnoses. I hate that we all have to get labeled, but it's where we are. And, so, you know, if it brings people to a better understanding, then I suppose that's what those labels are for. Um, I did not understand exactly what I was and how I was different until I was older. All I knew was that I couldn't speak well mm -hmm. and that I had to go to therapy and I had to go to these places to make me better, uh, to make me better, to make you better, to make me better. Ugh. And I didn't know it was wrong, but I was told it was wrong and this was going to help me. Okay. Um, I knew that my, my speech was off. I knew that people would make fun of me for the way I talk. Growing up, um, I used to talk like this, like a heavy lift. Oh, a, yeah. A fat tongue. And uh, I had to go to Easter Seals every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And that was I start my day off at school and then I get picked up at lunch and then I'd be shuttled off to, to Easter Seals. And never really understood what was going on. Lo and behold, I found documents later that said that I was dyspraxic. And that's what my diagnosis was. So I started asking, well, what, what, is, does that what mean? does this mean? Yeah. Where did this come from? Oh, yeah. Well, when you were born, um, uh, your, your left and right sides didn't work so well together. Did some more digging. Found out that the corpus callosum in my brain, the meshwork that goes between the left and right sides of your brain, just wasn't really there i had about 10 percent functionality mm -hmm. which explained why things like walking were so delayed for me uh anything having to do with balance riding a bike um yeah i was eight years old before i could clap without basically just bashing my hands together uh because my speech was so delayed as well uh and the the impediment, they had me in heavy speech therapy. And I did not realize that all of this was a result of being on the spectrum until much later in life when I had been through such heavy therapy to make me better. I really cringe when I hear you say that. Yeah, yeah. It's like nails on a chalkboard to me even saying it now, knowing uh, a lot of what I went through is now what we refer to as ABA therapy and being told that in order to function, I had to behave a certain way and to not act out and to not feel feelings and mm -hmm. to not, you know, there was a value placed on the items that I had and the things I wanted to do and the friends I wanted to see. And that value was my behavior, my compliance. 
Mm. And I had to act and be a certain way. And that was heavily drummed into me. If I did not act a certain way, if I did not behave a certain way, I was not allowed to um, play with my toys, watch television, go outside, see friends, things like that. And that's how I, I would like to refrain from blaming my parents for that because they were doing as they were instructed by the therapists. Right. But ABA therapy is a beast. And um, the founded by the same people who did aversion therapy. And it just, the more I look into it, the more I realize what aspects I went through, the more I am glad that we've moved away from what, I mean, we've got Bailey. Have you ever tried clicker training? No. <laughs> <laughs> so basically it's creating that signal and associating a positive reaction with a sound and when that sound happens the person knows that or the, the dog knows that they're going to get a treat so you've trained them to sit you've pushed their butt down on the floor and then you that little click and then you give them a treat so now they know what that pattern is you sit you wait for the click and then you get your treat oh eric you're giving me chills so you are relating that to ABA therapy. Absolutely. It is clicker training for humans. Wow. You know there are going to be people who disagree <laughs> with you about I'm this. I'm sure they are. Because there are people who are going to claim that ABA therapy has been just amazing for their kid. And one of those people is actually my sister, who is a ABA therapist, mm -hmm. which it's made for some fun Thanksgivings, let me I say. Bet. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Well, but you're here to be able to tell us because here you are sitting in front of me having this intelligent conversation with me about your life and your experience. Yeah. And here's one of the things that drives me bananas about the disability world. We do so much talking around people and never talk to them. Absolutely. And why? What the heck? You know, why, why don't we ask people what they want and what they need? Because there's this expectation that because you are different, you are differently abled, you are lesser than. Mm -hmm. So, or you couldn't possibly understand what you need and what you want. Exactly. It's, it's that idea of being disabled. You have less of an ability. You have less of a comprehension. It's not the case. I, and many people who are on the spectrum, neurodiverse, however you choose to label that, have a complete and total understanding of what you're asking and why, but don't have the level of buy-in for whatever it is that you're, you're looking to do. Right. I'm nodding my head, audience. You can't see me, but I'm <laughs> nodding. I'm nodding. It's there's a level of implied assumption of social behaviors that a lot of neurodiverse people just don't have mm -hmm. and or have just either not learned or it just hasn't been really important. 
So I just want to be clear, Eric, you're speaking from your own experience Absolutely. and you're not a clinician. I am not. You're IT guy. I am an IT guy, <laughs> but my job as an IT guy has actually been in the nonprofit sector mm-hmm. and dealing with a lot of organizations that help developmentally disabled adults yeah. and seeing people who are they have far more difficult situations than I do when it comes to communication and self-care. Right. But the primary thing, regardless of where you are on that spectrum, because it very much is a spectrum, is making sure that you are able to advocate for yourself and what you want and what is important to you. So that is... So important. I couldn't agree with that more. At the same time, I know that there are two buckets of people in the autism community. There are people like you who really can speak for themselves in some way, shape or form and can advocate for themselves. And then there are those much more profoundly impacted. Yes. And those camps seem to sometimes seem to be at war with each other. Yeah, they they are. Um, there's, I can safely assume you're familiar with Autism Speaks. Yes. Okay. Um, I do not have a very positive opinion of the organization. We'll move on from from that particular Again, aspect of that's it. That's Eric's it's my own, that's opinion. My own. Um, but I have seen people swear by it. Right. And the idea of there are people who are neurodiverse that hate the idea of a puzzle piece being representing them and feeling that, you know, we're not missing pieces. We are whole people. And then you've got the other side that this is exactly right for me. This is I've always felt like I'm missing a piece and this has gotten me to a better understanding. Sure. And it's. There, there's as many opinions as there are neurodiverse people. Mm-hmm. So ask questions and don't assume. Interesting. So as you are growing up and you get to high school and you are evolving as a young adult, yes. how do you start moving to independence what does that look like for you um it looks like playing pretend the one thing that i learned from all of my therapies and jumping from home life to school life to social life is a technique called masking masking interesting okay and it is the idea that in any given social situation, there are different expectations of you. So you, once you arrive in that social situation, need to wear the mask that is appropriate to that social situation. So I worked my way through middle school and high school and large chunks of college like it was new. I was what was needed when it was needed. And that was part of the therapy was 
you need to adapt and you need to do what is expected of you. You need to fit into this norm. Find the norm. Find the medium. Be the medium. So that way nobody ever looks too closely as to who you are and what you really want. So what does your life look like now? Complete shift from that. Um, after college, I started getting into broadcasting. It was something that I always loved as a kid. I used to record uh, radio shows and all the little stingers between mm. songs. I wasn't interested in the songs. I liked the the commercials and the little little zips and zaps that they had. Like, hey, this is Casey Kasem, you know. Just like those little little things like, you're listening to Top 40 Radio. Yeah. And then you'd hear that little kind of just the, the sound effects and how they were all mixed together. So that's what caught your attention. That's what caught my attention. And cool. I started off uh, after finishing up my bachelor's degree at the University of Connecticut Communications. I started with the Connecticut School of Broadcasting mm -hmm. and started there thinking, oh, well, I'll learn how these things are produced. And just kind of like go into a production role, somebody behind the scenes. Did you do okay in college? I did. Um, I, I wouldn't say I had the best GPA. Um, I lived at home for the vast majority of it because my social anxieties were preventing me from living well in a dorm environment. Um, yeah, I can imagine that must be challenging. Very much so. I, a shared shower it was just a nightmare. <laughs> hey, many of us without autism did not do well in that situation either. Uh, the, the noises, just the, the dorm that I was in, McMahon Hall, was known as the party dorm. Oh. It overlooked Gamble Pavilion where they had all of the UConn basketball games played and the, the football field was right behind it. So there was always a, a heavy amount of people flowing through. So just the level of, of activity was just constant stimulation, constant noise. And for somebody at my level, just having the, the horns honking and mm. the, the, the air horns and the people yelling at all given hours just that did not work out for me. I did not last long at UConn. I commuted. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> let's, let's get me a parking pass and let's work from there. Okay. But you were able to pull it together and stay with it, get your degree. Got my degree. And uh, then jumped out from there into radio. Yes. I started working at Connecticut School of Broadcasting and got an internship through sort of a cluster of radio stations in London, Connecticut, and just figured I was going to be working behind the scenes. Eric, did you thing. ever disclose your your disability no, to people? Absolutely not. Did they know? Did they have any sense? They probably knew that there was something different. But when you're in that kind of realm, you're surrounded with other creative types. Okay. So other people who are 
quirky or different. I see. So it was just seen as, well, Eric is unique. Did, He's one of us. Did you feel that you needed any special considerations or any special supports or anything like that? Looking back, I really could have used it because there were a lot of situations where I could have dealt with having a better workflow or having more defined expectations. But I wasn't at the level of advocating for myself. Mm-hmm. I just was keep my head down and do what was expected of me. I'm just wondering if you were not self-aware enough not never mind self-advocating, but self-aware even to be able to this is sort of step out there. Twenty years ago, right? This is the idea of walking up and saying, "Hey, I'm neurodiverse and I have these needs." Right. For, they'd laugh you out of the building. They still might even yeah. today, um, <laughs> although it's better. But well, it's, not it's better. But if you go in, if especially then there was not the level of knowledge that there is now and not the level of understanding. So were I to tell my boss at that point, which he was a great guy, don't get me wrong. He put me, he set me up in a lot of positions where I could succeed. Mm -hmm. However, had I gone to him and I said, here's how I need you to manage me. That's not how that works. Your manager manages you. Right. He tells you what to do. So here's what I'm thinking. Very similar to ABA. Mm -hmm. You are the peg that fits in the hole. Mm -hmm. You got to fit in the hole the way that it's been drilled for you. And if you do not, you will be hammered down. Something like that. Yep. Or you're out. They just mm-hmm. toss you out and look for another peg. That Absolutely. Fits. Um, yeah. And so, again, it just kind of feels wrong. It does. But that's what I had been told was the way of things. You, you need to mask yourself to succeed. You need to adapt to other people's expectations. You need to be understanding of these other situations and make sure that you are providing for others needs because your needs are not as important. Right. I mean, fast forward to today, because I know you have a fantastic life now, (laughs) which is why I wanted to interview you. You're married. You have this great dog. (gasps) You know, you, um, you've got a great life for yourself. You have a job, but it's more of an affiliation and you have a couple, you have a couple things you do. You have a I lot do. of loves and you sort of work for yourself, but you, you work with people. You work with a couple of different uh, companies. And it's, a, it's a very interesting setup. Yeah. I am currently my full-time employment is that I am the social media uh, coordinator for an organization called Work Community Independence out of Waltham. They help uh, developmentally disabled adults mm-hmm. and deaf blind and um, 
people with acquired brain injury. See and, why we love him so much, people? <laughs> and I started off there as the front desk guy and answering phones and working on their, their Facebook page. And when Nick, my boss for Boston Managed IT, right. uh, happened to be out of the office, I would just kind of slip in and fix a printer or help somebody out with a word processing issue or maybe their computer wasn't networking correctly. And I had the knowledge and skills to be able to do that. So he'd come walking in the door a couple hours later. I'm like, yeah, hey, uh, fix the printer here. Did this. This person was having an issue with networking. And uh, could you reset a password for this person? Cool. Thanks. So I didn't last long as the front desk guy. I think maybe four or five months before they transferred me over and put me in the IT department. Mm -hmm. And from there, uh, Nick started up his own organization, uh, Boston Managed IT, and brought me on board to help him out. So I'm technically working two jobs. I've got my full-time role with work community independence. I'm assisting Nick in a on-call, when he needs me, answer these tickets kind of role. Yeah. And as this has all been going on, I started my own business, right? Uh, Rabbit Badger Studios. I love that name. <laughs> and you have a lot of flexibility. I do. It's I am able to, I start my day working from home and answering emails. I'm able to set up my day and say, oh, well, at 2 o'clock, I'm going to head over to uh, this area in Framingham. Special needs law group. <laughs> drop on by because something's wrong with the copier. Something uh, is always <laughs> wrong with our copier here. Um, or one then, of our people just can't seem to get on to whatever because yeah, that's and, the way it goes. Like, well, let's pop over here. I'll swing by this location. They're looking for a, a hand over here. I'll do a remote call into this one. And then my day is and I just start off my day figuring out where I'm going to set my pieces. Right. So, and sometimes you need to finagle a little bit. Sure. But, I mean, that's life. Um, I spend the majority of my time in my office uh, remotely fixing things with my puppy on my feet. Yeah. And... Um, I'm able to, it, it's a very beneficial situation to be able to know that I have the freedom to handle my day and handle it in a way that is, is beneficial. Comfortable, confident. Absolutely. I, I don't have financially to Financially sound. It. Absolutely. Um, but. Yeah, we're. I'm also very fortunate that my wife is very learned and understanding. So we have, as we've been understanding more and doing more research and more advocacy about what it means to be neurodiverse, we've been finding ways to better understand how things can be communicated within the household. So, for example, if I am asked, could you clean the kitchen today? 
that is not going to get done because I'm going to take in the visual of the kitchen and get overwhelmed and I'm going to go sit on the couch and I'm going to play on my phone. <laughs> um, if I am asked, could you drive the dishes? Could you put away the uh, bag of canned goods? Could you clean the stovetop and could you mop the floor? I can do that. Because those are discrete tasks. Absolutely. They, everything is laid See? out distinctly Audience, for I me get to that. accomplish. It's one of the reasons why I love practicing law so much is because the, it can be very discrete. There's, there's just that line of here are what the expectations are. You need to fill out this form, this form, yeah. this form, and be here at this time. Cool, I can deal with that. Right. Um, and just having those expectations laid out makes life so much easier. Oh, I tried to take a philosophy class one time. You can only imagine my head just about exploded. Mm. Just about. It was like a cartoon with somebody's head that turned into a watermelon and just went, <laughs> that was me. <sighs> So, um, yeah, there's, that's an interesting visual of what Eric's life is like now, but how did you get there? What was, there's always like one jumping point, like what was the turning point for you? And I know that it takes a lot to put a life together like that, but there's a moment, there's a, there's a piece, there's a something where you recognize or make a decision or have a realization. What was that like for you where you saw, hey, I can't do it their way. I can't be that peg because I'm never going to fit that hole. So I've got to do something different. So it wasn't so much like one realization. It was a series of small steps. Okay. My wife says that I am motivated by spite. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, a little scared to ask how your wife knows that, but okay. <laughs> um, because she's watched it. She's okay. watched it. Um, uh. When somebody tells me I can't do something, mm. that lights up fire under me. I like, like it. The thousand suns. I okay. was made fun of for having a speech impediment when I was a kid. Oh. I became the number one rated night show host in Rhode Island. Mm. I was told that I wasn't going to be able to uh, play any sort of sports. I'm really good at wrestling, tennis, and MMA. I had been told that I wasn't going to be able to hold down a job. I got three and I'm running my own business. Yeah. Every time cool. somebody has told me, you're not going to be able to do that. I turn it around and have turned it into a, how am I going to accomplish that? Don't get me wrong. There's certain things that I'm like, yeah, well, you're never going to be able to X. And I'm like, you're right, because I don't want to. But I have 
been told, oh, you'll never be a leader. And I end up running an organization with 250 plus people affiliated with, uh, with Lucasfilm and Disney. Mm. I've been told that I will never be able to have a healthy relationship. My wife, no, it's today. Wow. As of day of recording, uh, my anniversary is exactly a month away. My 10-year wedding anniversary. That's great. I never thought I'd be able to to say that, to hold to hold that kind of relationship. Um, believe me, it's owed a lot to her her level of understanding yeah. and willingness to I know. to listen. My but, husband is amazing. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, I I know I'm a full time job. Um, I I am daily impressed with her ability <laughs> to to understand, to adapt, and to yeah, to create positive situations out of what does not seem like a tenable situation. Ah. <laughs> So she's not neurodiverse. Um, she is to a degree, uh, le- far lesser than. Okay. Um, but having those, as I mentioned before, about having processes and mm-hmm. having steps, it's helped both of us. Yeah. Um, she she's a librarian. She very much enjoys organization and structure. I love it. And orderly things. Those are two things that are very beneficial in my life. (laughs) So I have this huge smile on my face, audience. When I was a little kid, I used to play library. Really? I took all my books and I had a lot of them. And I used to I used to write numbers on them and pretend to have library code. <laughs> okay, what kid do you know does that? Only the weirdest of the weirdest <laughs> of the weirdest kids. You can only imagine how much fun was made of me. You're creating your own decimal systems and I was basically creating um, how many children were going to beat the crap out of me. Oof. But yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was the weirdest kid on the block for yeah. sure. <laughs> But there you go. Here we are. <laughs> and I made up my own system. It wasn't even like I was following the one that was there. <laughs> like library of Congress. Who needs this? Because <laughs> Annie had her own code. There you go. <laughs> Anyhow. Oh, um, so that's who we were, right? Here we are. And here um, we are now. But we figured it out. So we figured it out. And Eric, you are you're here, you're amazing, you've done it, and I know it's it's hard, and it's hard for the little Eric's of the world to think about how they're going to be when they're at, I won't say how old you are, <laughs> but at the age that you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, so let's leave it there. <laughs> so decades later, um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to little Eric today? I know it's kind of cliche, but it gets better. Yeah. I would say that to little me also. Just because it seemed so hopeless at the time. 
with knowledge and understanding comes a level of comfort and better knowing what you are and who you are can develop into something more positive. The more I became knowledgeable about what dyspraxia was, what being on the spectrum meant, where my where my neurodiversity stood, I was better able to say, okay, well, maybe I can't go down that path. Let's find an alternate route. So what advice would you give to parents? We're not going back and talking to your parents. They did their best. But we have parents of today who are loving, struggling parents who want to do the best for their little Eric. What advice would you give them? Because they're they are hungry for advice. I have I've actually had uh, had to answer this question a couple of times recently. Yeah. And, uh, the wife of a good friend of mine um, came to me and seen a lot of the advocacy work I've been doing. She, what What can I do? What can I be doing better? Right. My my kid is in these schools and he's doing this, and I'm trying to research and I'm trying to listen. Because you can do all of the schooling and placing your kid in in the right magnet school and taking them to go see the right doctors and therapists. Mm -hmm. But none of it matters if you're not listening to your child and what is making them tick and is what what motivates them and how they feel. Because... You can have the, the best possible desire to help your child, but if your child feels pulled in multiple directions or feels like they're not being heard, none of it's going to matter because all they're going to remember is, I'm not being heard. Right. So stopping, listening, asking questions. Why do you feel that way? Why do you think that? Can you explain that to me? Yeah. I mean, that's the basis of a person-centered plan, which we've been talking about on this podcast for two years. Person-centered planning. Nothing about us without us. Absolutely. And it's harder to do than you think, you know, especially for parents. Yep. So sometimes you, you just want to, you know, okay, well, we got to go. We got to go do the thing. Right. We got to. And Get your if, shoes on. Let's go. You know, going to make that decision for you because it takes too long to talk about it. It takes too long to ask you. It takes too long to try to, you know, get you to listen. And yeah. All right. Harder question. Shoot. Last question. All right. What would you say to teachers today? It's very close to the same thing that I'd say to parents because a lot of the, well, again, child of the 80s. I had 20 kids in my class. I know that those numbers are, are climbing. Yeah. And the level of individualized attention that a teacher can potentially give to a student is it's minimal now at best. I, I empathize with, with teachers. But when you see somebody who is acting in a way 
that makes you feel like they need that extra attention or maybe they need some opportunity to better express themselves, try to find a way. Take the time to listen to them. Try to find a way to for them to express what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Again, you're dealing with probably 30 kids in a class at yeah, this point. Sure. But and multiple adults in the classroom as well. Absolutely. Uh, my mom is a, a teacher's aide now, so she's in classrooms um, dealing with developmentally disabled children. Cool. And in and out of those classrooms and dealing with what their ISP is and trying to help situations that, unfortunately, a lot of the, the, the area in which she's been working, a lot of these kids are not getting the attention and the care that they right. deserve. Right, right. So it's taking that time to find ways to give them that, that care that they need and deserve. That is great advice. Oh, boy. There's so much more that we could talk about. <laughs> but our time is up. Lucky for me, I get to spend more time with Eric. I know that you're all jealous, but I do. Um, and Eric will be back here because unfortunately we are constantly breaking things down here when it comes to our IT stuff. So. <laughs> we are a bunch of people who cannot run our computers. Sometimes I'm convinced it's just because you want to see my smile. It's probably that. <laughs> uh, it's better to think about it that way than to think about we are just a bunch of dummies when it comes to running our computers and our copy machines. Uh, well, it keeps me employed. So, uh, That's true. That's true. Very much so. Positive spin. Well, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you stopped in today. And I hope that this has offered some sense of hope and, you know, given, you know, people a path. And I love to talk about these stories because all too often we're talking about negative things. All too often we are talking about how people can't do this and can't do that and can't achieve and how bad our systems are and how, you know, people are just ending up wasting away and doing nothing with their day and doing nothing with their life. And there's no jobs and there's no this and there's no that. Well, Eric's here. He's done it. It's possible. There's a path. So I know that it's just one person's story, but every story matters. And thank you for sharing yours. I'm glad to be here. And, um, know where to find me if you ever want to talk again. I really do. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric. Have a great evening. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.